There it goes, deep into center field, way, way back goes Matty Alou, and that ball is in Astro orbit. And the little dynamo, the toy cannon, now has 76 runs batted into the year. What a shot. Hello and welcome to Loading the Cannon for Week 9. I'm Vic Ravipathy. I'm Jacob Wessels. I've got a two-screen operation going here. Uh, I'm doing the podcast. I'm also watching the end of the Food uh, City 500, I think is what it is called. Um, NASCAR's back, folks, and it's better than ever, mostly because I have money on the current leader. And so we need Chase Elliott to hold, hold out on this one. Uh, he's up with 61 laps to go. What car is Chase Elliott? Chase know. Elliott is the number nine. Number nine, what's the sponsor? Uh, I think it's, uh, uh, I'm looking now to try to see, it's his Napa Auto Parts. Okay, answer me this question. Is NASCAR fun to watch, or is it something you can only watch for the last 50 laps? Uh, it is terrible to watch, and I hope to never watch it again. But as of right now, it's the most interesting thing to bet on. So it is what I am betting on. What about this F1 bet? Yeah, it is fun good. to throw money on like five guys and then have them be your guys. And when they're in the lead, it's thrilling to watch. I have, I mean, this is not like the third weekend I've bet on NASCAR, and every single time I have, I have just been brutally disappointed as my guy has blown the lead or crashed out of the race or something. Do you cherry pick individuals or do you pick a team? No, you pick individuals. Okay. Interesting. But like, can you pick every week? I bet on Denny Hamlin, and I just know that Denny Hamlin is going to win this week because I've never won betting on Denny Hamlin, and if he's, he's going to win this week. It's just exactly how this would go. Is the it's one week I don't. This might sound like a stupid question, but I'm really uneducated when it comes to NASCAR. Right now, who's the best driver in the world? I wish I knew the answer to that question. Um, I, I don't think people know. I mean, when I was growing up, it was Jimmy Johnson. Jimmy Johnson, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was a big Jimmy Johnson fan, and I am rooting for Jimmy Johnson because this is Jimmy Johnson's last season. As I His victory lap, if you will. Re-educating. And, and so, I, I, you know, I, it was, it's, it's a challenging time for the country, and I think it would be nice to see a legend like Jimmy Johnson pull one out one final time. He's currently sitting seven uh, as, as we watch the race here. Um, he wasn't first for a time, but I think he's kind of fallen off the pace. But uh, we'll see if Jimmy Johnson can make a move here. I honestly, like, never knew where – from growing up, I knew the NASCAR names. I never knew where they stood historically or at the time. Like I, yeah, I, I knew I that Dale Earnhardt Jr. was a name, but I've also never known whether he's been over, under, or properly rated for his entire career. I, I'm, I'm more on board with that than ever. I'll say right now, it seems like, uh, it seems like uh, uh, Denny Hamlin is one of the top drivers. He was one of the young guns when I was watching NASCAR before. People were a big fan of him. The Bushes are big names. Brad Keselowski. Yeah, yeah. Chase um, Elliott, I think, is like the new young up and comer. I remember Joey Logano was a young up and comer. Ah, uh, Joey Logano's in second right now. Okay. Yeah. He's no longer sponsored by Home Depot, though. Joey Logano was my dad's guy because my dad liked Home Depot for some. Did he take over Home Depot? Tony Stewart was Home Depot before. Yes, he- and then Joey Logano took over Home Depot. Good point. I totally forgot about Tony Stewart. Yeah. Is he like not that good of a guy? I don't know. I don't know what his deal is. I just remember that was – he was a guy. Do they retire numbers in NASCAR? I have no clue. Because I don't – I have no clue either, obviously. I don't know nothing about NASCAR. I mean, they might have retired. To me, it seems like they should retire numbers. And Jeff Gordon was like a legend. Like, I feel like no one should be able to race in the number 24 again. 
And now we've got this guy coming around the track. I don't know, his name is Byron. He's wearing the number, he's got the number 24. He's got the same rainbow colored car too. You know, NASCAR should retire numbers. Although it's, it's more challenging because you might run out of, like you might just legitimately run out of numbers. Going to the triple digits? Like, I but the point is, you can really only retire them if they're inner inner circle legends. But I don't want to see another guy in 48 after Jimmy Johnson. I mean, like, is does anyone use three? Is three, like, off limits in a I don't see a three. Way? What? You've seen three? I said I don't, I don't see a three. I don't think anyone just had – I don't think anyone wants to be three after yeah. a senior. I, I, yeah, I don't know. I, 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 don't, I, I don't know. Junior didn't race, didn't um, race three, did he? I don't think so. I, I, I again, I don't literally. Oh no, there is a three. Austin Dillon is three. Mm. I, so I guess they just don't retire numbers, which seems weird. Um, I don't know. I've never gotten into NASCAR. I've not found it any more enjoyable to watch now. But the problem is, it's the only thing that I, I can really bet on that I think is interesting enough. I think I, mean, I suppose I, I can I, bet I on really KBO, but as a big KBO journalist, I don't really want to bet on it. I think that. Um, that's good though. Oh yeah, Chase Elliott, big inside move. He's back in first, folks. He, he fell to third. Now Denny Hamlin's been spun out. There's gonna be a caution, and Chase Elliott's in first. Let's go! What's what lap is it? This lap, there's eleven laps to go. This is big time. Oh wow, okay. Home stretch. I think I you have to. It's gotta be a case of you just have to be inordinately tanked to enjoy watching nascar right like, yeah i feel that like you have to like either that or yeah, the last to, couple laps are do they always race do they always oh you go no like i i mean nascar is just incredibly unfun to like and nascar is so much less fun to watch than like f1 per se the fact that like f1 is like can't catch on in america people like nascar is ridiculous like F1 is so much more interesting than NASCAR, and it could totally, like, I mean, it could be the same thing, but it's just not. They always race on Sunday, right? Yeah. Maybe it's just that everyone watching is so hungover from Saturday that watching cars go round and round and round is just, like, what they need to <laughs> clear their headache. Maybe, maybe, maybe. Well, well, the NASCAR is thrilling. Um we are not really a NASCAR podcast, uh, although, you know, I wouldn't mind dipping into the NASCAR realm. This week, we had a lot of interesting baseball stories on the show. Yeah, uh, I started off, you'll see mine on Tuesday, so tomorrow, I guess. It's, it's, it's like an open letter, kind of. We did a couple, a couple requiems of sorts, uh, and mine specifically talks about just one piece of, of baseball I don't know if I want to say exactly what it is, but it it's about baseball uniforms and it's about one part of baseball uniforms that has come and gone and we are currently in a in a time where we don't see it very much at all, but it's a piece of baseball attire that's tied closely into a lot of the biggest moments of the game and you can almost tell somewhat of a of a history of the last 50, 60 years of, of baseball, just in talking about this little fashion staple of, of baseball. Um, it's got everything from aesthetics to stories to history. Um, and 
it, it also has an air of importance while having an air of anti-establishmentism uh, with it. So I think you guys are really going to enjoy it. Yeah, and then we had my granddad on the podcast. It was a real treat. And we kind of talked about it, you know, Philly's legend from, from back in his day. And, you know, he kind of shared some really cool personal stories about his experiences, you know, following his teams and following, you know, the Phillies, the Phillies from that era. And, uh, and, you know, we got to kind of, you know, make a, a modern case and kind of combine that with the old time stories. And, and I think we made a pretty convincing Hall of Fame case for his guy. And then, I don't even think we had to try very hard. And no, we, it was not a hard case to make, but I think that you know we we had a unique set of uh, our a unique you know combination of skills. It's always like Jacob likes to talk about um, how it's so much better talking about someone that you know you grew up watching because like obviously we can do people like Van Mungo and Lip Pike and stuff like that, but. It's 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 cooler when we get to talk about like a Dom Brown, you know, or um, a Bobby Abreu, that kind of thing. So it was really cool being able to talk about a historical player while um, it was being presented by someone who got to watch him play. Yeah, and then my player uh, is, is one of the coolest ones I think I've I've at least presented personally. Um, it's been a tough week for, for minor league baseball, and I think it, minor league baseball is really important for a lot of reasons, but it, you know, beyond all of the reasons that are commonly stated, I think that it's just one of, you know, it's a different brand of baseball, and one of the most thankless jobs in baseball is being a minor league player. And uh, I talked about a guy who kind of was the peak of minor league baseball and the peak of what minor league baseball is all about, and at the same time, you know, his, his kind of fall or the end of his career kind of symbolized the transition of minor league baseball to, to you know, what it is today. And it's a legacy that, you know, continues on today with names like Ryan Howard, Chris Bryant, Mike Moustakis, Pete Alonzo, A.J. Reed. All of those guys are in a way connected to my player. And so I will, I will leave it at that, but we'll see if anybody can guess based on, on those context clues as Chase Elliott has lost the lead with three laps to go. Yeah. Um, oh, now we're getting into crash. Chase Elliott just got in a crash, and oh, now he's going to lose. Rough. That's a tough one. That's, that's, yeah. that's a bad beat. Interesting race with two laps to go. I've been watching a lot of NASCAR recently, and I don't think any race has been as interesting as what just happened there. Although, to be fair, the guy who is now in second after that crash took all of the guys in the top five out is also somebody who I bet on. So I'm now pulling for him. Final lap, though. I don't think he's going to pull it off. Ah! Tough day at the office. Who took it? Who took the flag? Now Brad Keselowski is going gonna, is gonna to take the checkered flag in a crazy last lap. Nice. Nice. So, I don't know how that happened. That was crazy. Okay. Well, that's NASCAR for you. There you go. I guess it, it tends to produce a, an exciting last few laps. But the question is, why would you watch it for four hours just for that to happen at the very end? And a guy who wasn't winning the entire race. It's not even like crash. golf. It's not even like golf, which has a lot of inaction, where you can follow this player or that player. I love watching golf. Golf is a great watch. It, it's tough for me sometimes. Sometimes. I'm not, I'm not the biggest golf fan. I can watch it. I can watch the big stuff. But I don't know. I think, I, I think they can improve it. If they I can. think golf is really fun to watch. I think it's fun to track an entire day. Because you can get 
kind of see the storylines progress. It's great stuff to have on the background. Um, oh yeah, Sunday afternoon. I mean, if I want to take a nap, like that's first. Um, yeah. So, without further ado, and I do know why those players are connected, by the way. And ah, it is. It's something that I'm really disappointed that I forgot to mention on the show, and I will probably tweet about after we release the show because I had it in my notes for sure, and I just didn't write it down, which was a shame. Or I just didn't didn't say it. Um, because I just got so caught up in some of the other stuff we were talking about. Yeah, there was, there, was, there, was, there, was, there was bigger things to talk about. Yeah, it was just kind of an admission that I was frustrated by. But we will live. So in our continued streak of playing games that are shameless ripoffs from other people, we will be stealing a game from Effectively Wild today. And I mean, here's the thing. I don't feel great about stealing these games because, you know, I feel like we can probably come up with our own games and whatever. And at some point, we will come up with our own games. But... I've been listening to people play these games forever. And to me, I've just always wanted to play them because I think they're a lot of fun and I just want to do them with my friends. And now that I finally have a venue that I can do that, I know it's, just, it's, it's very exciting to me. So I'm trying to get them out of the way early so that we, we can move on to our own original stuff. But for the time being, I'm just going to do this because that's fun and that's kind of the point of it. This game is called the Is This Guy Good Game. Um, I have done a baseball reference play index search from last season. I have pulled all of the players who have at least 80% of their appearances in relief, who have either an ERA below 3.3 or above 4.5. I think the below 3.3 list has like 66 names and the above 4.5 list has like 72 names. There's a few more above guys, but it's basically even on each side. So there's not a strategy to guess one side more than the other. The, the point of the game is mostly to recognize that there are so many baseball players that even the most avid fans know nothing about because we do not know if these people are good or not. I mean, there are some of them that we will know. We know Josh Hader is good. And we know some people are bad. But the point is, I mean, this is a, I mean, like a 3.3 to 4.5 is, is, is not, it's not like you're just saying, okay, are they over under, you know, 3.5? That might be tough. Everyone who has an area above 4.5 is decidedly bad. Like, I think everyone would say that someone with an area above 4.5 should be sent down, they should be benched, they shouldn't be in a major league bullpen. And everyone who has an area below is, like, good, like a guy who you would even consider to be your closer. And I think that we have a long lag time in noticing that in relievers especially. If a you know, guy comes up and he's hitting home runs every day, everyone recognizes, oh, my God, this guy might be good. If a reliever throws 10 shutout innings – for the, you know, Texas Rangers, nobody cares, right? <laughs> no, one's, no one's watching Rangers baseball in July, so when they have a reliever have a hot stretch, unless they're picking up saves and they're important for fantasy, nobody knows who they are, nobody cares who they are. But the other thing is with uh, some middle relievers, uh, the more obscure ones, it's almost kind of like politicians or, or referees where it's like if someone does know your name, it, it's probably because of something you did wrong as opposed to something you did right. Yeah. So I'm hopefully we're going to have some personal experiences with some of these guys. Hopefully we're going to not realize who some of these guys are and hopefully we're going to have some fun. Um, one of the reasons why I think this game is especially cool and especially special to me comes from a, uh, uh, when Keith Olbermann had his show on ESPN two, uh, they did like a late night talk show type of deal. I was a big fan of that show. I recorded you, it. You've talked about it a couple of times. So you've been on the show. I am a big fan of the show. I think he just talked about sports and shoes in an interesting way. Um, and I thought it was a little too, I mean, 
I didn't watch it religiously, but it, it very easily sort of fit into like the the criticisms people might have about Olbermann in terms of like his uh maybe smarminess. I don't know. Yeah, no, I mean I understand that. I just think he he had brought up a lot of smart issues. And one of the things that he brought up is how when he would go to a baseball game when he was a kid, he would go to the game and he would look at the out-of-town scoreboard. And basically, you would be able to recognize the numbers on the out-of-town scoreboard as the numbers of the pitchers, and you would know who was pitching, right? Because that was how you got your information, right? So you'd look at the out-of-town scoreboard, you'd see Philadelphia 35 from 2008. That would be Cole Hamels. Uh, and so you'd know that Cole Hamels is pitching, right? And then all of a sudden, you'd see a number that you didn't know. And you'd be like, oh, that must be like a new call-up reliever or something. Because, you know, just so many less pitchers, right? So you'd only, there would only be so many numbers you had to know. You only had to know seven numbers per team to know the entire, you know, rotation, bullpen, everything. Um, and now, of course, you need to know like 15 numbers. And not only do you need to know 15 numbers, but those 15 numbers are always changing. So over the course of the season, a team might use 30, 40 pitchers. So there's just no way to keep track of all of it. There's no way to know about all these guys. And I do kind of long for the day when I could look at the out-of-town scoreboard and know who was pitching. Because even I, one of the more educated baseball fans, I think, I just don't know who's, I just don't know these guys. And it's kind of sad. So I'm hoping that a game like this kind of reconnects me with some of these players who, you know, are, are important to the story of the 2019 season, but are not so important that I remember them because they, you know, kind of random and obsolete. To your point earlier about recycling games, I think that's fine also because we're not a game podcast. We're not, it's not like our podcast is about pioneering these new games. It's about telling stories that don't typically get told. I think we do that fine enough. So it's okay if we, in our no, I'm not new episode ourselves. I, I, I'm not really defending ourselves to the people out there. I'm mostly just defending ourselves to us because I kind of feel bad about it. I kind of do too, but you know, but, I'm okay with it because it's part of our preview episode and it's, it, you know, it's, who cares? The game. And one of these days I'll invent a game that everyone else can steal and I won't have any issue with it. But for now, I'm kind of just having fun playing games that I've always wanted to play but have not been able to play. So currently we have 146 names on our list. So I'm going to pull up a random number generator from number one to 146. We're gonna get a number, we're gonna do the guy, we're gonna talk about it. We can each pick the same answer or a different answer and we're gonna keep score all the way along the line and we will see who wins. So our first pitcher is pitcher number 109. So I should say we're both looking at the common list that I created that I deleted ERA off of. So there's no way, so we're gonna have to look up the player after we see him to look at the ERA. And the first guy we are, look, we are gonna be discussing is Reyes Moranta. This is the perfect one to start with. I know who Reyes Moranta is. I'm not especially confident he had a low ERA. Yeah, neither am I. Um, I mean, how many innings do you think he put in? I don't know. All of these guys have more than 25 innings last year. Right, okay. Um, but I don't know if he was a full year guy, I'm not sure. I'm- I think he was. was he? I feel like I feel like not only was he a full-year guy, I feel like he was the Giants setup man. Yeah. I will. Also, the Giants bullpen was so bad. Yeah. I'm not clear someone being the Giants setup man qualifies them to have a low ERA. Are we working together or is, is this I we're kind of just collaboratively discussing and sure. but like is this gonna be your guess or is this gonna be my guess? No, no, no. We're both going to guess. We can guess the same answer or a different answer. If we guess the same answer, whatever. The point is where we differ, the game will be scored. Okay. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm pro- I'm gonna go high. I think I'm gonna go. Whew. I I really do think he was their setup man for a portion of last year. The question is, are the Giants good enough to have a setup man with below a four or five ERA? I don't know if they were. I'm gonna go high as well. Reyes Barata had a two eight six ERA last year. Wow. So not only is Reyes Barata like good, he's very good. He had 56 innings. He had no saves, which is, you know, kind of one of the things, again, that hurts him. He's not a closer. You just don't think of that. He had a 3.57 fifth. He struck out 11 for nine. I mean, I've always known Reyes Barata threw hard. I just would not have. He had 1.3 war last year. What a season for Ace Maratha, and what an embarrassing start for us. I know. I, 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 I always come into these games figuring that I'm probably going to get embarrassed, and this is definitely going to do the trick. This game is designed to embarrass us, though. Yeah. Like, the baseball prospectus annual game is like a, is a slightly different game. Which I did well at, which I won. You should kind of be good at it. And the guess who – I mean, those games are like – I think are, are, are easier to be good at. This game is designed to embarrass like, yeah, I but I I just figured that the Giants. I just figured the Giants bullpen was so garbage that they know they had Reyes Maranta, who they didn't even give a save opportunity. To. Yeah, I know. Like, I guess I, they had Will Smith, but once they traded Will Smith, maybe okay, this year pitcher is pitcher number fifty. Also, position on the list doesn't matter because I alphabetized it by first name. All right, we have got Evan Marshall. Do you know what team Evan Marshall played for last year? Oh. Because I don't. I'm no. looking at it now. Last season, he was a white sock. Evan yeah. Marshall. This is a name that I don't even think I've heard of. And that makes me want to go high again. I think just for the fun of it, I'm going to go low. I'm going to guess that he was like pretty good. Like maybe like low threes, didn't toss that many innings. I don't know. Congratulations, Vic. He had a 2.49 ERA last year in 50 innings. Wow. Yeah, I know. All right. And, and so Evan, but Evan Marshall, his FIP is very bad. He's got a 4.3 FIP. He strikes out seven and walks four per nine. Um, his FIP is two runs over more than two. He's basically exactly two runs over his ERA, and he's never been good before. Evan Marshall's ERAs were six. Nine, nine, eight, and then two point four nine in fifty innings. <laughs> wow! What's funny is that Evan Marshall uh, was really good as a rookie too. He had a two point seven ERA in, as a, as in fifty innings as a rookie, and then between twenty fourteen and twenty nineteen, Evan Marshall just did absolutely nothing and was horrible. Did he get hurt? Oh yeah, he did. That's sad. Ooh, TJ. Oh no. So. He, I mean, these are the kind of stories that I was hoping to come, come across, although sad stories, but also kind of, I guess, a good story now. Uh, Evan Marshall had a great rookie season with the Diamondbacks uh, in his second season. He was hit in the head by a batted ball. He had a skull fracture and needed neurosurgical treatment. Um, Why does this happen to Diamondbacks pitchers? Basically, same, was the same thing not, happened to Archie Bradley. Yeah, and then basically he was not the same pitcher for like four years. The injury affected him. And then he had a huge bounce back season last year. I mean, good for him. I what? mean, wow, but good for Evan Marshall. I, oh, yeah, that's great. A fun I hope, that. I hope, I hope that's that. kind of, Like, that's an amazing comeback story that we just never hear about. And I hope that got him a good payday. Evan Marshall, the reliever. Now well, he's still on his arm deals and stuff. I mean, I hope he was able to arm for a little more money. 
Um, he started throwing a changeup, which is why he's become good. He's got one of the better changeups in baseball, according to this article that I have just found about the resurgence of Evan Marshall. Uh, he just dominates low and in. He basically paints the changeup low and in, and people cannot hit him. So good for Evan Marshall. Nice. Um, although maybe not good long term because his pitch sucks. Our next pitcher is pitcher number 73. That's Joe Smith. I feel pretty confident going low on Joe. I mean, yeah. he was getting crucial World Series innings. I mean, lost in that Astros bullpen, but also if you're bad, the Astros probably had a better reliever to replace you. I feel pretty confident going. Low. I think I, I feel like Joe Smith is under. I don't even know if they had any relievers that were over that pitched. Yeah, that's the thing I'm thinking is the Astros didn't have anyone over. Joe Smith, 1.8 ERA. That was kind of an easy one. Yeah. So, so effectively, Vic, Vic with a one-point lead through a couple of guys. We'll go again. What are we doing? Like first, to, first to seven or something like that? Yeah, we'll do first to a number. Giovanni Gallegos. Now, I, I have some insider knowledge on Giovanni Gallegos. Do you um, in fantasy or something? No, nah, because, because I started my MLB The Show franchise with Murphy the other night. Um, we didn't have to be the show franchise last year. I was the Mariners and he was the Royals and we played all the way up until like the year 2035. And on Friday, yes, Friday, we started our one for MLB the show 20 finally. Um, and I am the St. Louis Cardinals in that franchise. He's the Diamondbacks, but the St. Louis Cardinals have Giovanni Gallegos. Yeah. And I had to make a crucial roster decision regarding Giovanni Gallegos. I think so I am aware of his statistics. So um, I will make you guess first because I'm pretty sure that I am right. Yeah. Um, I don't have, like, much to back this up, but Cardinals were a good team, but not a great team. I think he's a guy that didn't – that isn't quite, like, firmed up in their bullpen. I might be dead wrong on that, but I feel like he's a guy that sort of gets options sometimes, gets, gets tweened a little bit. I'm going to go over. And I'm going to say lower. Oh, damn it. Uh, Giovanni Gallegos is supposed to be the Cardinals closer this year. So is he? His spot in the bullpen is quite firm. Uh, I'm uh, an idiot then. Yeah, he had a two three one ERA last year. He's supposed uh, to be the closer. Oh god. Yeah, he's he's striking. Wow. He mean he's got a five point eight strikeout to walk ratio. Right, I'm just an idiot. I mean, he's just he's a dominant force. Yeah, uh, two four last year. What am I thinking? He's. I mean, he's he's awesome. Uh, hopefully, yeah. No, he's the 87 overall, and it'll be the show. He was my closer, um, and then I and then I had the opportunity to sign Liam Hendricks in free agency, and I was deciding whether I wanted to displace Gallegos from the closer role to the setup role and move Hendricks into the closer role, or keep Gallegos in the closer and have Hendricks set up. That was my roster debate, but I kind of knew that Gallegos was very good. In two um, minutes, I lost all my credibility, or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Whatever little credibility. Oh, you want to know what? If I hadn't played MLB The Show two nights ago, I would not have known that about Giovanni Gallegos. Uh, you might have guessed. I mean, he had a crazy season last year. You I, might like, get under, though. I don't know. I mean, he seems like a pretty sure thing kind of guy. If he's supposed to be their closer, I thought Hicks was going to be their closer. Well, Hicks is Tommy John. Oh, of course. Yeah, I think Hicks probably would have been their closer. He probably would have been the setup, but without Hicks. Uh, we are next pitcher is pitcher 115. That is Ryan Hesley, not to be confused with Ryan Presley, who is 116 on the list. Helsley. Helsley? Am I saying his name wrong? I think there's, oh, a, I think there's another L. Hesley. I don't know what team he plays for, though. He's also in the Cardinals bullpen. Oh, interesting. 
I'm inclined to just I so I do not know but I I just did an MLB the show thing with the Cardinals and I have never heard of Ryan Helsley and he did not pitch for me in the major leagues. I think he was I think last year was one of his for I think if last year wasn't his first year then it was like he had a cup of coffee the year before and then I think he's pretty new on the scene. I don't know, maybe this guy throws 105 and I'm an idiot again, but I'm going to go over. I think I'm also going to go over because I feel like I would have heard about him. That being said, I feel like the Cardinals always Devil have magic. And we would both be wrong again, right? Ryan, no, yes, Ryan Hesley, a 2.95 ERA last year. Oh, my God. He barely hit the innings. He had, 30, I mean, he had 36 innings. That's the thing. is like the Cardinals are a playoff team. This guy pitched 36 innings for a playoff team. That is no small feat. That means you're pitching in like one out of every like four-ish games. And he pitched very well in one out of four games. I watched the Cardinals play an entire playoffs. I have no clue who this guy is. You made the playoff wrong. Like, how about that? We're so bad at this game. Everyone is under. I know, but that's how we're going to get a bad pitcher who we know is bad and going to be able to just hammer home how bad they are. Now, it's it's still tied, right? Tied at two. Still tied at one apiece. Maybe we'll play to five points. Well, I wasn't counting points that we got that we tied up. Oh, okay. We're doing uh, cornholes rules. Yeah, we're doing cornhole scoring. We go first to five cornhole score. First to five corn. Okay, I like that. All right, one one. Eighty eight is the next one. Kyle Barraclaw. I feel pretty confident in my guess here. Kyle Barraclaw. I think I saw him pitch in Double A last year. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um. He pitched for Double A Harrisburg. Although maybe I'm thinking of a different former Marlins reliever. Maybe I'm thinking of the other guy who's similar to Kyle Barraclaw. No, Kyle Barraclaw is not in the Nationals organization. I don't think he is anymore. Is anymore? Okay, we'll see. I, 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 my belief is that he was, I, I think he was really bad. And they sent him all the way down to double A and he was still bad in double A. But then since their bullpen was so bad, they called him up at the end of the year and they cut him. I think that's what happened to Kyle Barraclaw last year. I think he's bad. Even though of all of the names that we've had so far, with the exception of maybe, then not even Reyes Maranta, Kyle Barraclaw is by far the name that I am most familiar with. Yeah. Um, I'm going to take the odds guess here. There have been so many unders. I'm going to go over. Yeah, I think, I think this has to be over. Kyle Barraclaw is a Padre now, and last season he had a 6.66 ERA. Oof. Actually, his ERA was a little bit lower because he went to the Giants and it was actually kind of good on the Giants. But his cumulative ERA was 5.61. So, yeah, still bad. Still bad. All right. I feel like we redeemed ourselves. I feel like I actually used baseball knowledge there. 139 is the next pitcher. Will Harris. I think this is pretty obvious. Yeah, it's, it's lower. It's got to be. Yeah. I'm not even going to bother looking it up. I will bother looking it up. I mean, Will Harris did lose the World Series for the Astros. I literally, quite literally, but I think he had like a 150 ERA and he did have a 150 ERA. Is it 2-1 you or is it still 1-1? Uh, it, is, it is still tied. Okay. Uh, our next guy is Daniel Hudson, another famous World Series pitcher. That's, yeah, I was going to say it's a nice... That's Although a- this one is actually tough. I think this one is kind of tough because I know he was good in the playoffs, but I, I, I kind of have a feeling that one of the playoff storylines is that he was kind of bad in the regular season. Yeah, but like... Monster playoffs. 
like four five bad. I know that's the thing. I don't. I can't imagine he was four five bad. No, I don't even know if he was necessarily bad. I, he got traded. To, I'm gonna go low, but I, I have a. I have like a, I, I feel like I might have my heart ripped out. No, I think it's low. I think it's pretty. I think it's. I think it's pretty safely low. Yeah, it's low. It's two four seven low. But he he had a one four four ERA in Washington, which is what dropped it low. It, before he got to Washington, he wasn't so great. But so I was kind of right on the storyline. He was just so good in Washington. All right, one thirty eight. A guy named Wes Parsons. Who is Wes Parsons? I have no clue. <laughs> that is the question. Wes Parsons is an Atlanta Brave. He's got to be high. The Braves bullpen was so bad. They tried so many guys. Yeah. Um, I, I'm going to comfortably say high. I'm going high as well. And it is high. Wes Parsons with a 5-4-5 last year. Not a good pitcher. And now he's in the Rockies organization, so I don't know if it's going to get any better. <laughs> All right. 87 Kirby Yates. I don't even think we really need to talk about that. Yep. That's a low. Brad Boxberger is kind of interesting at 13. Ooh, high. Mm, I wanted to go high. I but think for the sake of this I, know, game, I know he was good. I, I will go walked. low for the sake of keeping this game interesting. I, he had one of the best, um, what you would call it, Players Weekend jerseys with the emojis and stuff. But I don't have a ton of faith that he was good, but I have enough faith that I'm willing to bet on it. And, of course, it was high. Five four zero last year. Yeah, I didn't even know he was a royal. I would have thought he was a Diamondback. He was a royal last year. Twenty five innings for the Royals. I, I feel like he was more prominent. I guess I'm thinking of him from 2018. He threw. He only threw 25 innings. Yeah, in 2018 he was the Diamondbacks closer, and then 2019 he threw 25 innings for the Royals. I don't know. I just feel like he was more prominent than that. But again, a good. I, I mean, most. I think you're kind of right in that. A lot of the guys we're talking about are the guys who we're most familiar with, the guys who are high, not the guys who are low. I mean, uh, I'm, I'm more familiar with Brad Boxberg for, like, Ray's days and, like – Yeah, no, 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 no. All right, number 67 is Jeffrey Springs. I don't know who Jeffrey Springs is. He's got a great name, though. No clue who he is. Pitched for Texas. He's a lefty. He's now a Red Sox. I, I have faith in Jeffrey. I'm going to go low with the opportunity to blow this game open for you. Oh, Jeffrey sucked. Jeffrey. <laughs> Jeffrey. Jeffrey's the worst one we've looked at. Jeffrey had like a 6'5 ERA last year. <laughs> you, Jeffrey. Oh, my God. Jeffrey's terrible. All right, it's now 3-1 Vic. I've really blown this open. And Vic springs ahead. Ah, uh, terrible. I mean, we've had randoms pull low ERAs. Yeah, no. I've, Our next I, one yeah, is Clay Holmes. I'm going to be honest. I picked it on an odds pick. We've had more highs than lows, so it – Yeah. Uh, more lows than highs. So All right, now we've got Clay Holmes. He is a Pittsburgh Pirate. I don't know why I know his name, but I do know his name. I think he is large. I think he's like 6'5 or something like that. You know what? I really like the Native Americans of the Southwest and their – adobe structures so because of my love of clay homes i am going to <laughs> have faith in clay holmes <laughs> that he got that he had a lower than three three ERA. i'm gonna go high on clay holmes a because i feel like i would i'm missing out on an opportunity here to go high on a random and i feel like going high on randoms is always the move because i think randoms are much more likely to be high because and you've always been more of a wigwam guy right 
I know. I, you know, TPs, that's, you know, it's kind of my kind of housing, not, not this kind of housing. Um, but, but also because I looked up Clay Holmes, and I, not to say that I don't, I don't think this constitutes cheating. I just looked him up to make sure I was right about him being a pirate. But the second picture on Google of Clay Holmes that comes up is him surrendering a home run. So I feel like that doesn't bode well for Clay. Clay Holmes is high. I'm back in it. The Pueblos screwed me. I also figured that the Pirates had a lot of issues finding a closer after the Felipe Vasquez incident. We'll leave it there. Um, and, and, and so I feel like if they had more easily found a closer or if they had a guy with a low ERA, they would be much easier to go to him. You and I both remember when we watched that Pirates game in June? Yeah, right around now of last year. The Pirates made a nice late-inning comeback against the Brewers and then had to bring in Richard Rodriguez, whose ERA was like six. And I feel like if they had Clay Holmes and they had a good Clay Holmes, they probably would not have gone to Richard Rodriguez in that game, who would then you know, lose the game for them. The milkman couldn't quite deliver. The milkman did deliver. The milkman <laughs> always delivers. But he couldn't deliver the dub. Oh, that was, that was so much fun. That was one of the most fun ones ever. We were out sitting in center field um, at this Pirates game. The Pirates were getting blown out. It was a rainy day. There was like no one at this game. But we were sitting in this like pod in center field with all of these people who must have been Pirates diehards. And they had kind of adopted us into their section. And so in like the eighth inning, the Pirates were down by like six, seven runs. And they start to string a rally together. And our whole section is just going nuts and screaming at the top of our lungs. And we're the only people in the stadium. And it's like, let's go Pirates. And we're taunting the pitcher and we're cheering for the batters. And the, the climactic moment of the inning is that the Pirates put like two guys on. They're only down three now. They've already scored four. And they bring up Melky Cabrera as the pinch hitter. And the milk man delivered. He hit an RBI double to exactly the section we were sitting. It like went off the wall right where we were sitting. And everyone in the section just went nuts and started yelling, the milkman always delivers. The Pirates then went into the ninth down by one, and they had all the momentum until Richard Rodriguez blew the game. Uh, and that was, that was why – that has a long explanation for why I thought Clay Holmes had a high ERA, which he did. Yeah. Um, I gave you the lane to take the high. I, yeah, I, like that's the thing about the way they were playing this. Is, but I also like I, there have been pitchers that have had lows that I really didn't expect. So I, I was I was hoping Clay Holmes would be that guy. But the all right. Pirates pitch was not a smart one to hedge that on. Our next one is Thomas Pannone. He is a Blue Jay. I'm gonna go low. Um, I'm looking at Thomas, and I and I see a guy who's got a low ERA. Not a lot of innings, but a low ERA. Uh, you know, just to make it a game, I'll say hi. I don't have any conclusions or anything. I think he's a soft tossing lefty who's not quite good enough people to think he should be a closer, but he had a good ERA last year. Thomas Pannone is a soft tossing lefty, but he did not, um, he did not have a good enough ERA to convince anybody that he should be a closer because his ERA was 6.16. Uh, he opened for the Blue Jays a little bit. Uh, he had seven starts, although I don't think he's really a starter looking at his game logs. Um, but he sucks. Um, <laughs> I feel like we were really thrown for a loop by the Evan Marshall, and I forget the name, Dylan he- 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 Helsley, whatever. I, am I, feel, I feel like those two dudes threw us for a loop, and I feel like the bet on guys you've never heard of is always high, except we got the two guys who were low 
and all of a sudden uh, uh, we, I, we kind of miscalibrated. Yeah, well, uh, that brings Vic to the verge of victory. Yeah, match point four two. Let's see if you can mount a furious comeback. All right, one eighteen is Sam Tuvialala. Tuviala. Tuvialala. I don't know. It's the guy on the Mariners with the long last name. I mean, hi. I, I'm gonna have to go high as well. The Mariners are so bad. It's the Mariners, like yeah. the Mariners, they're terrible. I have to go high. I've never heard of this guy. Oh my God! What if I told you? What if I told you that against all odds, Sam Tuvialialalia had a two-three-five ERA last year? Oh my God! And and he's a free agent. He's a free agent. He's 27. Who's gonna take him? Yeah, someone's got to take Can him. we get him? I, we could use him. Yeah, seriously. Why is no one signed him? Is he hurt? I have a feeling he might be hurt. He Maybe. cleared waivers. They just cut him? Depoto. Wait, he only pitched 23 innings last year. Oh. I think I, the filter might have been 20 innings. I'm sorry. <laughs> Why did they release Sam Tuviala? But, like, he also had a 117 ERA plus the year before that. and They cut him right after they canceled spring training. I don't really understand why they cut him. He's been a good reliever for the last three years. Yeah, and the, it's like the Mariners have lots of pitchers. Uh, he was kind of hurt because they were like, oh, it's exciting that he faced live hitters. Ah, Sam Tuviala clears waivers. Mariners' decision still odd. Seattle Mariners' social media was thrown for a loop last week when the team placed Sam Tuviala on outright release waivers. We still can't figure out why. Earlier this week, it was announced that Sam Tribiala cleared waivers, officially named a free agent. This came just days after Mariners and GM Jerry Poto. Yeah, he was really good. 8.8 B-War. Tui Vailala is what I'm going with. We aren't sure why. Tui Vailala. Tui Vailala. Ryan Divish of the Seattle Times reported that there was a in the B game about a week before the shutdown. And the fastball that usually sat 92-93 was closer to 85-88, leading some to assume he was hurt. But Tuvialalalalalalalalu would tweet that he was healthy, in fact. Even if he wasn't there to really... Yeah, I don't really understand. Well, I want to see him in Philly's camp then. Yeah, and Philly should definitely bring this guy in. Good season. Weird story. 96. Michael Lorenzen. Oh. This is an interesting one because people talk a lot about Michael Lorenzen. People but I'm love not sure if he's actually a good reliever or not. People love Michael Lorenzen. I am, but I don't think that I, even if he's like a two way player, I don't think people love him if he has a four five ERA. I know that he had a high ERA when he first started becoming a two way player. And I, people were talking about him just becoming a hitter. But then I think he figured out the pitching. I'm willing yeah. to also go low. I think I, – I, yeah, I think low. I think, I think low. Yeah, low is correct. He was good last year. Okay. He had a, a, a two uh, – where is it? I'm, look, I'm on his baseball reference page, and I can only look at his batting stats. He might, he might be like a top five talked about player on MLB social media. Like he gets, yeah, I mean, he's a, a – a, yeah, I mean, he's a, he had a two – like it's like it's like Mike Trout, Bryce Harper probably. I mean, Lorenzo might even get talked about more than Harper. Shohei well, the appeal, maybe. The appeal of Lorenzo, right, is that 
Unlike Otani, who can pitch some days and hit other days, which is still really impressive, Lorenzen can do both on the same day. Like, hypothetically, he could come into the game to pitch and then, and then play in the left out. field after he's done pitching, which is, like, revolutionary way to use your pitcher, right? Because yeah. you don't even really need to pitch. Hit but, I mean, the, the other thing is – Perfect player for the National League. The other thing is his, he gets more attention even for his – body than he does for the fact that he's a two-way player like i feel like 60 percent of the attention he gets on social media is because he's like jacked and one of the strongest guys in the league and 40 percent of the attention is oh he's an awesome two-way player that's my perception at least okay our next picture is number uh 19 that is brandon workman oh the workman's revolution the workman's revolution red sox oh um sorry that i named my fantasy team after him he was a, he was a fantasy he was owned in in our fantasy league by he was owned by me in our fantasy league going low yeah, it's definitely low he was good he was good I, I shouldn't have named my fantasy team after him you might not have known he was actually one of the better closers down the stretch Please? i want to say he had a two four five era last year before i look at it Wow, you know, one eight eight ERA last year. Yeah, I mean, he was just amazing. That was also a good fan. But he's the kind of guy who, if he wasn't getting saves, I don't think I would have known he had a one eight eight ERA. So I barely he, knew he had a low ERA before he became the closer. Before, so he replaced he replaced Matt Barnes. Yeah. All right. The next one is Alex Colomay. He was a closer for the White Sox. He got a lot of saves, right? Like, yeah, I think so. But he might have been a guy that got a lot of saves but had a. He might have had a high ERA, but I don't think it was like four or five. He might have had like a three two. Like it wasn't like elite closer tier. I don't, I don't know. What are you going to go with? I don't think it is. You know what it is? Yeah. 100% sure I know what it is. 100% sure. Um, fuck it. High. Low. It's definitely low. When we watched him pitch at that White Sox game, uh, I was astounded. That he had come, he came into this game and he had like a 0.7 ERA. Now, granted, that was June, but I have a really hard time he, believing he went from a 0.7 to 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 an above. No, there's no way. I, I gave a stupid guess. He's a closer. Yeah. On a, no, he on had a 2.8. Yeah, he, he I mean his ERA. He wasn't great at the end of the year because he was like he was like contending for an ERA title or not an ERA title, but like a you know Fernando Rodney low ERA territory. That was a bad guess. All right. You've been stuck on game point for a while now. Who's our next guy? Our next guy is, oh, I like going back to our random friends. <laughs> our next guy is a man by the name of Brandon Klein. He is a, I mean, I think we know we're both going to guess the same thing here. He is a Baltimore Oriole. <laughs> and if one thing the Orioles are known for, it's their outstanding pitching. Oh, just ask Jake Arrieta. <laughs> He's got to be high. Yeah, there's no way he's not. No way he's low when he pitched for the Orioles. Yeah, I, uh, Brandon Klein, 5.93 ERA. But again, Brandon Klein, a name I have literally never heard. And I have a pretty good memory for names. Like, if I watch you pitch once or twice, I will remember your name. I don't remember anything about you, but I'll remember your name. Never heard of him. He pitched 50 innings in the big leagues last year. 50 innings? Wow. That's a big workload. This guy was a regular reliever for the Orioles. Never heard of him. I mean, I don't watch Orioles baseball, I guess, but never heard of him. All right, next guy is Adam Adovino. He's good. I mean, he's he's, only he's good. I think he's good, but I know he also had a disappointing. season. I think he had a disappointing season, like based on his contract. But I mean, 
It's also it's the Yankees bullpen. Yeah, um, there's it, no way he's high. I agree. There's no way he's fact, high. I don't even know if he had a disappointing season. Uh, maybe, maybe maybe it just seemed like a disappointing season because he was a closer with the Rockies and he goes to the most stacked bullpen in the entire league and so he's just not getting saved opportunities because they've got to roll this chap in and everyone else. Okay. I think he had a good season and I'm saying low. Yeah, I'm also saying low and we are both correct. He had a 190 ERA. I'm remembering him pitching poorly though. He must have been a bad postseason. Yeah, he had a 6.43 ERA in the playoffs. Like That's yeah. I, I just remembered that there was a lot of frustration about the acquisition of Adam Adovino. It was because he didn't pitch in the playoffs. We're back to randoms. We've got David Hale. I've heard that name. David Hale is also a Yankee. This is interesting, right? Because Yankee, you think good. Random, you think bad. He's also a diplomat. Well, he's not a diplomat. He's David, David Hale is a diplomat. Currently serving as the U.S. Secretary of Political Affairs. Um, it's the Yankees. I'm saying low. I'm going to go high because I feel like, again, I'm just trying to pick up points that are random here, but I have no confidence that I, I have any clue. All right. Match point. Let's see. It's low. David Hale, a 311 ERA. There we wow. go. Wow, David Hale, interesting season. He only got 37 innings, which is more than I would have thought, but also less than, like, him being regular. But also, like – I had I had the two ugliest guesses of the entire thing. Giovanni Gallegos and Alex Colomay single-handedly tanked my whole reputation amongst the members of the baseball media. But, but somehow you still came out a winner. I came out with the win and scored. But what happened to those people with scoreboard? He had a three thirty-two FIP, not a bad player. He's like basically a thirty-two-year-old rookie. This is the first real run he's got. I mean, he's, I love guys whose baseball reference pages are like this. This is very Evan Marshall-esque. Like, there's just a huge gap, right? It goes 2014, bar. He pitched five games in 2018. And then he pitched for the Yankees. Uh, he pitched really well for the Yankees in 2019. So for David Hale, basically, he was an effective reliever for the Braves on a team that had, you know, on a Braves team that had Tommy Lastella, Chris Johnson, and Melvin Upton Jr. He was an effective reliever on that Braves team, was not in the major leagues, and then just returned last season to play for the most recent version of the Yankees and was very good. That's just one of those weird stories where you're like, you know what happened to this guy? And you want to know what happened to this guy? He pitched in Korea. Oh. Uh-huh. For See? who? Wait, let me guess. Our KBO uh, – our KBO knowledge, I mean, he actually didn't pitch in Korea for that long. He didn't pitch in Korea for – so from 2014, when he last had major league run, he did pitch in the minor leagues 2015, 2016, 2017. He pitched in Korea in 2018, and then he pitched in the majors in 2019. He pitched for the Hanwha Eagles, and he was quite bad, actually. I think they may have cut him. And that's how he ended up – because he also pitched in the MLB in 2018. Yes, that's how he got back to the MLB, I think, because they cut him, because his ERA was pretty high. Like he had a four seven five. That's yard. even weirder, though. They cut him in Korea, and then he catches on in the show. Major leagues. I know it's weird. They just cut Taylor Motter, the Cuban heroes. I think Taylor Motter is a good baseball player. It wouldn't shock me if he played in a potential twenty twenty major league season if we are so lucky to get one. But that's the thing. I mean, the KBO. It's it's difficult because it's so offensively oriented. So it, it it's really tough to succeed as a pitcher. The problem with David Hale is it's hard to do a lot of research about him because there's this diplomat who I think gave testimony in Trump's impeachment trial 
who is getting all of the, the coverage. Plus, you might even get some Arrested Development results because you've got David Cross and Tony Hale on that show. Yeah, um, I don't know what happened to Hale. I don't know. I guess he just kind of stopped pitching for the Braves. They, I guess they just didn't need him anymore. And he went to Princeton. Um, and in his debut, he pitched against Princeton's Will Venable, which is the only matchup between a Princeton batter and a Princeton pitcher in the major league history. And, of course, now David Hale is on a roster with Mike Ford, who is also a Princeton guy. Yankees, strong Princeton culture. Andrew will be uh, good to hear that. All right. Well, that has been a very fun edition of the Is This Guy Good Game. I'm slowly checking Effectively Wild and other fun baseball Twitter games off of my bucket list. Uh, we are just one minor league free agent draft away from these Monday shows just becoming all of the things that I've always wanted to do with my life. And I get maybe a wins pool draft as well. Um, oh, wins pool uh, great. I mean, I had a lot of fun with this. We learned about some random guys and there are a lot of guys who I've got a lot of respect for. David Hale, uh, uh, Ryan he has Helsley. Um, Evan Marshall. Evan Marshall. I mean, for all the randoms we got, like basically half of them had low ERAs and Clay Holmes didn't. Sorry, Clay. Still, I'm still in favor of Adobe. I still think it's a good building material. And we got to tell some fun road trip stories. Um, I will probably tell more of them in the future. Those are, those are uh, some good stories to tell there. And I'm sure. Hey, if you want to fund our next road trip, go right ahead. Exactly. I'd like to immortalize the road trip in some capacity. So, uh, yeah. Um, awesome. Well, if you're looking at the grand scoreboard, you'll see that I have got two Monday wins. Jimmy Arvan has got one Monday win. Jacob still looking. I haven't back. really had the opportunity to get Monday wins, to be fair. Oh, that's true. That's true. Your I've been hosting a lot of the Monday games. But I had an opportunity for a win against who, and I had an opportunity for a win today, and I'm over. So. What can I say? It comes with the territory of being a genius. All right. Awesome. Well, thank you guys so much for tuning in. We've got a great week of the cannon uh, headed your way with uh, a couple lamentations for bygone eras. So uh, if you're ready to uh, break out the Kleenex and put on some Sarah McLaughlin, I think you'll like this episode nine featuring Jacob's grandfather, Gary Lightman. Shout out to uh, Live from the Lounge. Exactly. We have now contractually obligated to make an appearance on there. So that's right. So uh, thanks for listening and we'll, you know, see you this week. Yep.